from Los Angeles, California. This is the Rider Strike Chronicles podcast, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, today is Wednesday, December 12th, 2007, day 37 of the Rider's Strike. In today's episode, I visit the picket lines for Star Trek Day at Paramount Studios. Now, of all the themed picketing events that have been scheduled since the strike began, this one got me the most Twitter-pated. If it's not apparently obvious, I am a bona fide geek girl and I love the sci-fi genre. I attribute this character trait, or character defect, depending on what side of the cool kid squad you're on, to my late father, Roy Barnes, who worked in the entertainment industry as a set designer and an art director for close to three decades. He got his break in 1977 at Universal Studios, and not long after he started, he took me on the set of Buck Rogers on a day when Pamela Helmsley, playing Princess Ardala, was wearing the famous white Lola Falana-esque costume. At the Star Trek Picket Day, I got numerous interviews that I'll share in the next few days, but for today, we'll focus on two. One from Star Trek writer Nareen Shankar, and one from Star Trek film director Nicholas Meyer. Since Star Trek takes place on that final frontier known as space, I wanted to get their take about the future of television and new media. Now I'll admit that this was a big bite to chew off, but both these guys are intelligent and quick thinking. The best part of their predictions was that they both felt optimistic about television's next generation and the brave new world of the internet. We'll start with Nareen Shankar. today the yeah. theme is Star Trek I was told okay so uh, yeah I mean that's the theme I guess the, the idea is to get writers actors friends of the show um, just to sort of hook up back together and show a little support and back at our old stomping grounds and that's the idea oh my god all right what's your name Narain Shankar and Narain what, what have you written for what show many many shows over the year right now I'm executive producer of CSI okay and in terms of the uh, Star Trek? I was on uh, Next Generation for seasons uh, 5, 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. It was my first job in the business, and sort of for me, this is this is where my career started, and so, so I'm back here today. Cool. What is the future of television? What is the future of television? Good. That's good. Nice, easy question to start <laughs> off with. Simple answer. You know, I mean, look, I think everybody understands that we're uh, you know, on the cusp of a, of a significant technological change, in, um, in, in especially in broadcast television. I think everybody would agree that the future of this business lies in, in digital delivery, and that's really what the, the principal, fundamental issue of this strike is. Okay, I just read um, in New York Times, Future Labs did a study on behalf of Nokia that one quarter of entertainment content on the internet is going to be user generated by 2012. That means that it's going to be made independently without the conglomerates. Why can't television go in that direction and become more independent? It really, I guess partially, it, it really revolves around what the definition of that is. Just like, if you're talking about a quarter of all of the hours of television that's watched on the web is going to be user-generated. Look, YouTube lends itself really well to short entertainment. I don't know how well it lends itself to long-form entertainment. And unless you believe that people are not going to be interested in sitting and experiencing a movie for two hours or watching an hour of television, I don't know. People are really kind of, I think, engaged in a lot of speculation in a vacuum in a way. Nobody really understands where this is going to go. 
obviously we're seeing a shift in viewing habits. You know, you could make the argument that it's like we're going back to where the history of entertainment began when, when you were watching silent films, like these were you know, like nine to 15 minute short films. Okay, those are coming back into vogue now because there's a distribution outlet for them. The original Looney Tunes cartoons were like nine minutes long. These are very digestible and very accessible, and they don't need distribution overhead now that you have the internet as a delivery system. That could just mean that this entirely new venue is opening up. And unless you believe it's a zero-sum game, you know that, that one form of entertainment cannibalizes the other, well then maybe it means an expansion in, in the types of entertainment that we can actually consume. So what you're talking about is disruptive technology, silent movies over audio movies, color over black and white, digital over analog. Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, honestly, what the big thing that the Internet has done right now is it's really brought back into vogue the short. I mean, it's like if you, if you really think about how people look at stuff now, it's like, for many, many years, there was no outlet if you were making a short film. Like, you pretty much had to go to, like, you remember Spike and Mike's, you know, outrageous animation festivals? That was the only place you could see this stuff. Now you can see it in a million other places. Does that mean that people are going to watch that and not watch an hour of CSI or Lost or Battlestar Galactica? No, of course not, because those shows are incredibly popular still. So, I don't know. Part of what motivates this kind of a climate in the business is complete fear and uncertainty. Because nobody really knows where this is going to go. All you can do is really point to say, you know what? I think the one thing people can agree on is that the internet is largely going to replace broadcast television as a distributor because any fool can look at the numbers now and understand that the value of a distribution network is trending towards zero. When that happens, that changes things pretty fundamentally. Now, we could go back to sponsored entertainment like we had in the beginning of the uh, television era when people thought that why would anybody want to put commercials on TV? That's got no use as an advertising platform and people sponsored programs. There's a million things that could happen. The pro and in truth, it's probably going to be some massive mix of all of these different options. Yeah. But people really don't know and that's I think that that's a big big part of what's causing people to freak out and that's getting back to what is the future do you have a more positive view of the future I actually do think that this is a very healthy industry I mean Americans make great entertainment we are it's, it's it is it's one of our top export it's a mega multi-billion dollar industry and everybody around the world wants to consume American entertainment except China um, they just want to do it for free <laughs> Okay. I mean, they, they really do want to consume it. It's like, if you talk about the market for pirated DVDs, I mean, it's enormous in China. It's just, they don't want to pay $50 for it because the per capita income in China is so much lower. $50 for somebody could be a, a month's salary, all right? So that is really what you have to look at. Why is there a pirated market in China? It's because DVDs are very expensive and people there don't make a lot of money. So pirating movies and stealing them makes good economic sense there. Right? It doesn't make good economic sense here because the costs of pirating DVDs here and the potential liability is huge compared to the actual cost of picking one up in the store. That's what's driving a pirate economy. Parting shots. Parting shots? You know what? The one thing that I do wish that people would kind of keep in mind is that too often I think we look at ourselves as separate parts of this business. We really are, I mean, we, know, we always talk about it in the Writers Guild, they always sign off, we're all in this together. It actually means more than writers. It is 
both parts of the entertainment business, the creative side of the business and the company side of this business, they can't do what they do without us and we can't do what we do without them. And that's something that's really important to keep in mind because, you know what? Writers have an incredibly difficult job. They start at a blank piece of paper and they create something out of whole cloth, and that's incredibly tough to do. But you know what? The companies that fund these projects and make commitments of money and capital and everything else to bring those dreams and put them on the screen in tangible form, there are partners in the business too. And it's like both sides need each other. And I just wish that the personality conflicts that seem to have defined a lot of this strike would go away and people would be really think about what the health of the entertainment business is and what the future of it is because neither one of us can do it without the other side. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. That was Noreen Shankar at the Picket Lines on Star Trek Day in front of Paramount Studios. Next up, we'll hear director Nicholas Meyer, with George Takai interjecting, offering up his most positive and optimistic opinion for the future of television and new media. Okay. What's your name? Nicholas Meyer. I wrote and directed the movie Star Trek II. Oh. Star Trek VI. Star Trek VI and most of Star Trek IV. So, so I have Star Trek credentials. Okay. What is the future of television and new media? What is the future of television and new media? We will amuse ourselves to death. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You have been listening to the Writer's Strike Chronicles podcast. For more information, visit our blog at wgastrike2007.blogspot.com. 